All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Nephew Hours. Um, I'm your host, Miggy. Uh, joined today is going to be the newest uh, member of the Nephew Hours team. It's DJT. How are you doing, man? I'm doing all right, dude. I hope you're doing well. Thank you for having me on the show. It is awesome to be here and to talk about basketball. Like, it's awesome. And, and I'm glad to have you on here, man. So, yeah. So, um, right now we are recording this at 3.12 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. Um, so right now we're, we're going to talk about uh, a lot of things today. We got, we're going to mainly talk about the lottery, um, and also cover some playoff games that have happened the past couple of days. We're also going to talk about any games that have happened today of, up until this point. So this will include, um, Toronto and Brooklyn. And, uh, at, as of right now, uh, Utah and Denver is about to finish up their game. So we'll, by the time we get to that point, we'll be able to cover that. So, um, starting, starting about the lottery, um, last night, all the teams that, either lost out in the bubble or, you know, sucked to not get into the bubble, um, tested their luck. And so we have the results finally. Um, and we have the Timberwolves having number one, uh, the Warriors having number two, Hornets number three, Bulls at number four, Cavs at number five to round it all out. And then you have the Hawks, Pistons, and the most mean team, um, the Knicks slipping again for the second straight year at number eight, <laughs> uh, the Wizards at nine. And then pretty much going chalk, uh, 10, 11, 12, 13 is going to go Suns, Spurs, Kings, and Pelicans, all who have lost in the, Pelic- uh, in the bubble, actually. And then 14 was supposed to be the Grizzlies, however, due to trades um, that is now owned by the Celtics. So um, any initial reactions to, um, to, the bu- to the lottery? I want to just say that the Knicks suck as a franchise. They're <laughs> inept. Like, I, it's crazy because this team hasn't won a championship in 46 years like that's almost half a century and you have you have to ask yourself as a Knicks fan if it's sort of still worth supporting through all of the (laughs) pain and turmoil that this franchise is at like they suck (laughs) and like inept you can't like you have to you have to be asking like you miss Mm. out on Zion and all of these top shelf draft prospects and now you get eight here right like uh, they had the six and, odds too that's the thing too that's that's hilarious like you get these decent odds you can do something with it you, you slip all the way to eight now granted the we don't know how this draft might turn out because it it just seems to be a lot of top shelf talent and sort of dips off but mm-hmm man you you get you get one guy right like you get Przingis you know a couple of years ago and then you trade you him trade, away you trade him away to Dallas and now you have that talent gone and mm. because you try to get you try to get Durant and Kyrie and you don't get those two and the better to, team in New York it's like it, it's funny like we talk about New York as the mecca of basketball like the garden is the palace of basketball and where it's housed and why we love it right and now all of a sudden i i don't know if like how how long is it gonna take for knicks fans to to just dump them for like until dolan dies or sells the team it's it's (laughs) it and i again like dolan since he's been there since 1999 and yeah running running the team and just the overall ineptitude of how he's running this franchise, mm-hmm. who he has, the instability and lack of a distinct culture is just what 
it, there's just nothing right about this team. Like the fact that the Nets have done better in the last three years. Yes, sir. Over yes, the last sir. That's no shit. Over the, like over the last fifty years of Knicks basketball, it's it's I, it's I painful. Mean, I love it, to it, see it. it. <laughs> it <laughs> now it's funny. It is funny. Like I, I feel like I, I know that there are a lot of Knicks fans out there suffering, but mm-hmm. there has to be that like one team that you sort of want to poke at, and I think it's it should be the Knicks. Like er, like every single time, like people are asking, like, "Hey, are the Knicks going to be good?" It's like, no, they're not going to be good. <laughs> like we need to stop it with like people <laughs> thinking the Knicks are good or, or have a chance to be good. They're not. They're not. They have like it's a it's a gar- it's a garbage franchise filled mm-hmm. with a lot of. Man, just just the whole mentality. <laughs> I, I, there's no, there's nothing that sets the Knicks apart besides their inability to make a decent NBA team, and that's what sets them apart mm. in the National Basketball Association. They can't set a team straight, and when they do have the chances to, they either throw it away, oh, or yeah. just don't get the chance at all. Oh yeah, and. Like- that's sad yeah it, it in all reality like you have to again ask yourself as a knicks fan if it's okay to root for the other side of new york mm. like when are we going to start talking about the nets being the team in new york instead of i've been the, preaching it <laughs> right like the, the the nets they have the grit like even in in the bubble like they took the mm. the trailblazers who were fighting for that eighth spot to the last shot with Karis LeVert. It's supposed mm. what, like the third, fourth, fifth best player third. on this, uh, right? Like on yeah. this Nets team, right? Mm. Somehow is able to almost push the Blazers out of that eighth seed, that eighth spot. It, 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 they, everything that the Nets have is, is what the Knicks should have, mm-hmm. right? Like, and the fact that the Nets too... You know, when we talk about that Celtics trade that Billy King made all mm-hmm. the way back that yielded them, you know, a whole bunch of a whole bunch of draft picks out. Like we want I wanna see if that team, that same team was able to build from the ground up, not using top shelf picks, but mm-hmm. using journeymen, using players that have not been in the spotlight, mm-hmm. using those guys like your Tyler Johnsons, your Garrett Temples, your mm-hmm. Timothy Luwawu Cabarros, <laughs> they're able to find those guys and build them up and make something out of it. Oh, yeah. And it's a huge testament to what culture the Nets have been able to bring up mm-hmm. in the past half decade. And, and again, it just shows you that this right here, the, getting the eighth pick, is just it just shows you everything that's wrong mm-hmm. with, with New, York, New York basketball. Look, like, again, a lot of people do know that I'm a giant Nets fan. You know, like, I'm a huge Nets fan, Nets for life. Again, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you. Like, I'm going to implore to every Knicks fan who is listening to this right now, it's okay to jump ship and cheer, and cheer for the better team in New York, and it's Brooklyn. We have Kyrie and KD. You guys don't. Um, we have a brighter future somehow. You know, you guys don't. Um, but but in terms of like the eighth pick, like you know, I it's you can't say it's rigged. Like they literally had the six best odds, and guess what? They fell out of it. Um, and it's also into to the point of uh, Dolan. It's not surprising that ever since he took over the team in '99, 
They've absolutely been, you know, garbage since then. You know, like they had that mini like run with Melo and, and that team in like what, 2013 was it? 2014? Mm-hmm. Yep. After that, like, you know, what happened? Like it's all gone. They said, you know, they, they did absolutely nothing to improve that. So for the Knicks at eight, and I, you know, I'm going, you know, as much as we clown the Knicks and, you know, like we can get an LOL Knicks in like every single chat, they kind of also lucked out. Um, as much as I love to hate to hate the Knicks, I love to slander the Knicks. Like this is the one year like they get to luck out by you know in falling out of the the top three or top five because it's been well known that the the um, draft is not going to be as top heavy as it usually is. Like there is no Zion, there is no John Morant, there might not even be like an RJ Barrett or like type you know type talent, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know, this draft is more known to predator produce depth players and you know long-term projects and you know given that you know the Knicks are under new management with Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau like there is you know you can have a tentative hope as a Knicks fan to say maybe we draft someone at eight you know to develop with RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson and Kevin Knox you know who are obviously projects and hopefully, like, you know, they keep the pro- if they keep, you know, the journey going and, you know, kind of don't try to jump, you know, steps, they could become competitive and it would be better for New York to have a healthy, you know, Nets mix rivalry where both are fighting for the playoffs, both are fighting for a title um, and, and so forth. But, you know, for the Knicks overall, though, like, like I said earlier, like, as long as they have Dolan, like, as, as the owner, they're not going to, you know, I don't think there's going to be any hope for them, no matter who they who they draft because eventually, you know, they're going to have their problem might trade RJ Baird or Kevin Nash or Mitchell Robinson at some point, because it's been ages since they ever, you know, extended a player that they actually drafted. They had the opportunity to do with KP and guess what? Um, nothing, not, you know, they <laughs> traded them. They traded them and they think they thought they can get Kyrie and Katie and, you know, Kyrie and Katie chose Brooklyn. So um, for the Knicks, you know, as much as like, you know, Knicks fans want to see them ever good and they'll, you know, They'll claim that they're the team of New York when they're not anymore. The Nets are the better team and that therefore they are going to be the team of New York. You know, the Knicks have an opportunity now with everything being so new to, um, you know, finally build something right. Will they do it? Probably not because, you know, they got James Dolan up in up controlling everything. So, you know, for the Knicks being at eighth, it sucks, but at the same time, it could possibly de- uh, benefit them. Um in the long term, possibly keyword there. Um, the one team though, I am interested and in, we'll get to the Timberwolves later, but the one team I am 100% interested in seeing what they're doing. This draft is um, the golden state warriors for sure. And why I say that is because though they were, you know, having the best odds to get number one, you know, they slipped number two and now they have the opportunity here to either take, you know, James Wiseman, cause I'm going to assume um, Anthony Edwards goes number one and I'll, I'll talk about him later. You know, they have the opportunity to take James Wiseman who, who will be an absolutely perfect fit for the Warriors who, who need a center because their center depth right now is just uh, Marquise Chris and, you know, Kevon Looney. Um, Chris, I did, you know, he did have a career revival in Golden State and, you know, he looked actually really serviceable than he did in, in Cleveland or, you know, Phoenix. And Kevon Looney, though he is a great, you know, center off the bench, you know, he, he can't stay healthy. So by taking Wiseman, the Warriors will, you know, be able to get 
get a position of need and get a player that has high upside that you can develop for the long term. However, you know, the Warriors are also in that win now mode where they don't need to focus on their future right now. Like you have Steph Curry's 32, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green are, you know, about 30. So their title windows is pretty much within the next two or three years. And, you know, Wiseman can probably contribute like two out of those three years, but you know, if they want to win now, like he's not the pick. And ideally you could use that. They could use that second pick to um, trade down and get like a veteran role, you know, role player and, you know, a couple of extra picks. Cause you know, some teams like, again, I'm going to say the Knicks cause you know, the Knicks love doing un- you know, unnecessary <laughs> flashy moves. The Knicks can very much go from eight to two and maybe take a LaMelo ball, you know, like, you know, the Warriors I think are in a very interesting position to either pick someone that can help them and also develop for the future, or they can make a move to maybe get a disgruntled disgruntled superstar with their pick, or you know, just get veteran role players to fill out their bench and get another first round pick on top of that. Um, for all memes and purposes to all memes and purposes, it was um it was funny seeing Steph Curry and D'Angelo Russell be like the, the representatives for the respective teams. Cause if we, if we all remember uh, D'Angelo Russell was with the Golden State Warriors and then they traded him at the trade deadline. <laughs> so it's kind of like awkward and also kind of funny seeing them both there. And also for all memes and purposes, the last time the Timberwolves picked ahead of the Warriors, Timberwolves passed on Steph Curry twice. With Johnny Flynn and, and uh, oh my God, what was his name? Was it Rick? Oh, Ricky, Ricky Rubio. Rubio. We got yeah. Rigo Ruby, Ricky Rubio. He was yeah. taking. Yeah, <laughs> it's, so, it's crazy. <laughs> seeing yeah. Steph, Steph there, I think I thought it was weird because you'd never yeah. right like the Warriors just for all intentional purposes they just dominated the oh, last yeah. half like five years, right? Like yeah. we we just saw Steph had a bunch of championship runs with uh, Clay and Draymond. And, and in doing that, it now again, like to your point, it would make sense that Wiseman should, like, if they had to choose someone, it, I would pick would Wiseman, smart. you know, it's smart. But at the same time, you're, you're also asking yourself, like, if you're the Warriors, how much is a rookie going to contribute to we are, right? Like, I still, mm. I still think that Curry, Thompson, and Green are automatic championship contenders. Mm-hmm. They, 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 I, there's, like they're one of the top three, quote like one of those big three groups uh, guys. That yeah, you think you just take to the final? Like they did it, you mm-hmm. know, 2015, 2016, even before Durant got there. Like those yeah. three were the top guys who got to seventy three games. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if you're Bob Myers, if you're Warriors management, you're asking yourself how much is Wiseman going to contribute when we have all mm-hmm. those guys healthy. And so trading it away for, say, may, let's not take Wiseman. Maybe we find a center from another team that could help us mm-hmm. in that position of need. Let's let's grab him. Let's use the second pick as leverage, mm-hmm. work out the kinks of that, and use and get that so we could get our position hole fix. You know, yeah. I, I I find it I find it interesting that that Wiggins, you know, is still there. Um, I think he's successful in, in Golden State, though. Right, like lesser role, he doesn't need to mm. take inefficient jump shots. So he'll find like Stephen Clay. I think will definitely help out on, on spacing and making sure yeah. that he can get 
his shots in and Kerr, mm-hmm. I think it can also give him regards on how, how that can all work out. But mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what the Warriors do with, with this pick. And of course, having mm-hmm. the, the worst record in the NBA this year and how they mm-hmm. can all turn around and saying, okay, let's take Wiseman and make sure that he can help us come playoff time if they do make it or if they trade it away for either you know, trading down to get some more picks to help out with the depth there mm. or taking a fantastic role player, good, decent superstar or not. Yeah. It's, yeah, but it's going to, it's going to be interesting just to see what the Warriors do yeah. when that time comes. And so I'm, I'm going back to the point, like you said, you know, Wiseman like may not be the, like the instant contributor, um, you know, to that point, like that, that is, that could be very much true. Cause again, we barely saw him play in college until, you know, he, you know, the NCAA screwed him over. Um, but if we watch like his high school tape, you know, there's a lot of potential there for him to fit perfectly with the Warriors. Um, however, like, you know, knowing the Warriors and how good they are with development and how they are with, you know, making players that aren't, you know, our projects like look really good, you know, um, we've seen it happen with Steph, Clay, and Dre. They all have been homegrown and developed in the Warriors system. Um, last, you know, last season, even though everyone was practically injured, you had young players like Eric Paschal. You had young players like Damian Lee, who you know took a step forward. Um, and as young players, you know they did contribute to help you know win games, albeit only fifteen. But you know they still, even in their losses, they still you know look like high potential guys that in the long run, they could become maybe the next core of, you know, a championship run for the Warriors or, you know, at this very moment, key role players that the Warriors need to make, you know, a title run. Um, I do, what I what I still want to get, like, veteran role players to fill out the bench? Yeah, 100%. Because some players like Jordan Poole or Kai Bowman aren't, like, guys you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's a second-string guy that we need to have, like, you know, come off the bench immediately for a playoff game. Like, no, like, I would probably, like, if I'm the Warriors, try to maybe get JJ Redick, or you know, for shooting, or maybe Marcus Hall or Serge Ibaka in, in free agency. So, I think the Warriors. I think even if again the number two, they, I think they're in the prime position, knowing knowing how they are as an organization to really, you know, come back next year and say, you know, tell you know the whole entire NBA like, hey, like, just because we had one bad year doesn't mean you know we're terrible. At, we're terrible again. Like, you know, we're back to being the dominant force that we are. Um, yeah. You're just, yeah. You're just asking yourself how much are they willing to sacrifice in terms of development versus winning now? Are you going to mm-hmm. take Wiseman, try to accelerate him as much into your culture, into your brand and make sure that we have, that he can get meaningful minutes so that mm-hmm. he can be ready come playoff time or are you just going to ditch that completely, get somebody else who fits in with the Warrior system mm. and get Steph, Clay, and Javon back into it's a form. competing for a title, right? Yeah. It's it's definitely, yeah, this is the most interesting team by, by far in the draft mm. because of the roster that they already have in place and what they can do with said roster and stars. Yeah, like we all and, know what they can yeah. do. We just again, we just watched them for half a decade dominate basketball talk, mm. completely dominate oh, yeah. basketball talk. 
And now are they going to go back into said basketball talk with a possible guy that they can mold for the next two, three, four years? Mm-hmm. Or again, it's, it's going to be, it's interesting. Yeah, it Plus, is like whoever, like again, whoever, if they do ever decide to keep, keep the pick or maybe trade down, like whoever like they pick is going to be in an ideal situation. Cause there's absolutely like, there is pressure because you're supposed to contribute for for a championship run immediately, right? But there's also not too much pressure on you because already you have Steph, Clay, Draymond, and I guess and you know Andrew Wiggins as well. Like those are four players that are established veterans that like will draw as much attention like away from you as a player. You know, like you don't have to deal with you know, say you're on the Knicks or like on the Hornets or the Bulls, like once you get a pick, you're going to be deemed like the franchise savior. You know, when you right. join the Warriors, you don't because you already have Steph, Clay, and Dre who literally saved that franchise and, you know, put them back on the map to where they, sh- to where they are now. Yeah, and, and see again, seeing those two, like knowing that the rookie will A, not have that pressure to be that franchise superstar that mm-hmm. most teams are looking for in the top, two three four five right Mm. knowing that the pressure is going to be off their shoulders because they have those that that core group of clay curry and drayvon knowing that they will help them forward if they are on the team it i think will get the stress off of whoever is chosen by the warriors knowing that they're already in a good situation and they just need to learn to play with the team and to continue to hone their skills as mm-hmm. they become NBA players, whether the person that the Warriors choose or the players that the Warriors select are going to be potential superstars, role players, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But, you know, having in the back of your mind that you're on a team that has won three of the last five championships yeah. and having that pedigree it's a plus no matter who is going to join the Warriors. Oh, it's yeah, going, I think it'll be, it'll be fun to see whoever they select or whoever they trade for. And just to have, I think, Warriors basketball back as a mainstay, mm. knowing how good, like when the Warriors are good and when the balls move in, yeah. it is so fun to watch them. And having another guy who could possibly just add to the – overall great basketball that they play mm-hmm. is going to be, it's going to be fun to watch as I agree. I'm really hyped for the I agree. Warriors pick. Yeah. I, it's it's going to be fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, uh, no, we give a lot of attention to the Warriors, but again, they did not win the lottery um, that, that honor does go to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And so um, after, after real, you know, my first thought was, um, does the number one pick make selling the team a lot easier for, for Glenn Taylor? Cause again, like it, it's been known that Glenn Taylor wants to sell the Timberwolves and, you know, hopefully it's the KG, but you know, with the Timberwolves, you already have D'Angelo Russell, you have Cardinal Anthony Towns. You are, you, you're most likely probably gonna get Anthony Edwards, right? That's, that's kind of been something. Yeah, the, there's, yeah, there's no, there's no way in heck I think they wouldn't choose him. Yeah, he's a perfect fit for the roster. He's a, you know, he's a forward. Oh, yeah. where you already have the point guard and your big man, both mm. uh, who can be and have shown that they can be off dominant offensive forces. 
having another person to create shots and mm-hmm. get to the rim. He's essentially and, a linebacker and a point guard. You know, he's a linebacker. He's a point guard and a linebacker body, pretty much. He is. Is man, Anthony Edwards is extremely talented. I think he can mold really, really well with Cat and D'Lo. Mm-hmm. And on offense, man, the, the possibilities. The possibilities are, are endless for them. It's um, crazy. The only issue, though, though, is, um, and uh, this could be a fault of of the you know product in Georgia due to the fact that you know when he played in Georgia there was no one, you know, that's a good Robin for Anthony Edwards over in Georgia, so he was forced to you know pretty much do everything on offense, and so that leads to you know bad decision making, bad shot making, or bad shot creation and stuff like that. Like the the shot creation talent is there. Like he's a great shooter. Like he's a great slasher and stuff like that. Right. But the the issue is he was inefficient and that could just be a product of having to do everything. Right. But mm-hmm. when, if, you know, and this is most likely the, the scenario that the Timberwolves do take Anthony Edwards is that, Will will he still be prone to being inefficient and taking inefficient shots and you know make bad plays when you already have players like D'Angelo Russell, who's a you know great playmaker and the guy you should always have you know that should be ball handling the ball, you know the majority of the time. And you also have Cat, who's also a great passer from the post. So you know at that point, then like so, what would you would Anthony Edwards not have to you know? touch the ball as often and the answer is probably be yes and so therefore you can turn him to an efficient shooter um in the corner maybe to you know kind of elevate his game even more also give him the opportunity to slash even more because he doesn't have to you know constantly think okay well what am i gonna have to run the offense with mm-hmm. yeah i think another point into that right like like again as a rookie and now here you're in a situation where you're not going to be the franchise superstar, even though you're in a lesser situation because the Timberwolves aren't this prestige franchise like mm. the Warriors, where they have stars already there at the forefront. Now you do have mm. Carl Anthony Towns, who is a near perennial all-star. He's a fantastic mm. talent, one of the most talented of and some an efficient big men mm. on offense in the game. And D'Angelo Russell, who has shined outside of Los Angeles, mm. those two, you know, you're going like they they haven't they haven't shown much, if any, you know, success in the playoffs. But mm. those two have shown that when if you can maybe build a decent core around them, they can yeah. they can do something with it. Yeah. But but one thing too is that I I am tepid. I'm 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 sort of frightened about how much how many points it could they could possibly give up. Oh, I agree and with that too. Yeah, like defense is near and near to next to nothing when you talk about when you talk about Carl Anthony Towns and the thing that separates him from guys like Embiid or Davis is that he doesn't have the defensive stalwart yeah. abilities that those two guys have. Which is and ironic because he he was great at defense in Kentucky. He was he was he was known for. For that sort of sort of that sort of play, and when you get to the NBA, all of a sudden you're a lot less you're exerting a lot less energy on that side of the ball, and you're not as hmm. efficient on defense, right? And those two in particular, like D'Angelo Russell, too, he's not hmm. known 
for his defense. He is nope. known to so like he's known to some as a as a defensive liability because he doesn't exert the same the amount same of effort. That, yeah, amount of effort that 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 car that all of his other guys may maybe but like D'Angelo Russell, he doesn't have that. And yes. again, Edwards, you're asking, is he going to exert defense or not? Because if he doesn't, and it very well may not be as a rookie, mm. I, I'm just scared of how many points the Timberwolves could possibly give up with knowing oh, that, man, three of your, lot. that three of your guys on the team mm. are going to be liabilities, huge liabilities mm. on the one side of the ball. It maybe like Dallas where they could just outscore everybody because we we both we think we both know how Dallas tends to do that, yes right but yeah it, this isn't this isn't this is this is one thing i'm i'm just scared of it's if you do it's take defense. edwards it's it's he does he just doesn't have that defensive mentality mm. i i, I, I would like to see out of the timberwolves I agree. Um, like, again, like we've seen it like happening, like where he totally like, you know, does not do any off ball defense, like at all. He's, you know, sometimes he's prone to possibly like for, you know, losing, losing his man. Right. And so with, with the Timberwolves, if you, cause they always saw, they also have Malik Beasley as, as their back as, as that backcourt. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, their only defensive guy in that backcourt is, I, I believe, just Josh Okogie. Yep. But again, like there, by but if you do take Edwards, right, you're not going to be playing Okogie as much, I believe, um, because you're going to have a cluster um, of Edwards, uh, Beasley, and and Okogie at at the shooting guard position, unless. Unless you have Okogi, maybe like be a backup, you know, point guard or like a Beasley be a backup point guard, like the the shooting guard rotation is gonna be kind of kind of wonky. So, um, I I I like the what uh, Rosas is doing in Minnesota to build like a future team because they do have have the pieces to you know become better in this rebuild. Um, however, like they they need to definitely like even if I don't know if they have any money for free agency, but they need to at least trade for some defensive pieces if they're ever going to make a shot and possibly threatening to make the playoffs in the West. Because again, the West is going is, you know, is, is an absolute bloodbath next season. Like that's absolutely, you know, we know that's going to happen, but the fact that, like you said, like the wolves have no defense at all. And it just compounds that, you know, that liability when you draft something like Edwards, like the, like the offensive, like, ability is absolutely there like you can totally put up 150 points if you know edwards cat and delo are absolutely on but at the same time you can very much lose games by 20 or 30 if you you know shoot cold and you your defense is as bad as it you know is on paper and for for a team like that to play like that in the west won't be viable at all when you have great defensive teams like the clippers like the lakers um, and even and when healthy, the Warriors and and Jazz, you know, they, those are prime defensive teams, and you're not going to win games against them. And you play those teams three or four times a season. So if you if you put it that and put it that way, that's an automatic like what 12, 15 losses, and that's already putting you in a deep hole for you to to uh, try to catch up from. And knowing the ages of D'Angelo Russell and 
Carl Anthony Towns, you you don't have enough time to, you know, theoretically rebuild because they're about to hit their primes, right? And so you essentially like have to make the playoffs now, or you know, bef- or, or or else they're going to try to leave because they're not they're not winning anything. You know, yeah, it's like, just a just a weird rut that I think Towns was was sort of drafted it all the way back in 2015, and and you know now he's got his best friend there, obviously in D'Lo, and those two I think will have great rapport again. And Anthony Edwards, I think, will bring that sort of same offensive style that you you, you talked about earlier. But mm. yeah, like I don't trust Jared Culver. I don't I don't trust Jacob Evans. I don't yeah. trust any Jacob of those Evans guys. Flopped in Golden State, so I don't think right. it would work so, out. Here. I I'm not. Yeah, I'm not confident in this team's ability mm. to to have a good defense. Like even when. Thibodeau was coaching the team and they, they traded for Butler in that one, one season where I think they were, they were like the third seed, third seed at one point. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They still didn't have a good defense. Yeah. I, I still mm. find, still find it funny. Maybe it's just a Timberwolves thing, yeah. but it just seems like they, they need to find some defensive plugs or those guys who can lock up guy. I'll, I'll lock up opposing players on, on the other side of the mm. floor. But, I agree. Yeah. So Timberwolves get Edwards. I think he'll be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's defense. It, it's all about defense sometimes. And they, they, they don't have absolutely any of it. For all chaos and memes purposes though. Um, I do. <laughs> I do want to see like the Wolves do try to go after Devin Booker. I think that'd be hilarious to see. Um, get the get the three best friends there. As I mean, it's unlikely, especially the fact that the Suns went eight and zero in the bubble, and like salary cap purposes. But all me for all chaos and memes purposes, if they if the Timberwolves somehow pull it off, I will I will stand the Timberwolves and I will make them my Western Conference team. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it won't be likely. Other places in the lottery though, uh, there's one team that we've we're not used to seeing ever in the in the lottery and in my lifetime i've never seen them in the lottery and it's the san antonio spurs whose playoff streak finally has ended at 22 years and so they are going to be picking 11th but you know to me what you know sticks out the most with with the spurs now is where where do they go like in my like do they blow it up and like let demar go in free agency and try to trade lamarcus Aldridge to a competitor like maybe Portland, like who who he has said like he wants to go back to. Um, is Pop even going to be head coaching next year for the Spurs? Because he he did say like you know and I'll you know we'll make it clear that he did say that he wants to stay, you know he wants to you know coach again next season. But there's also uncertainty with where he coaches because it's been reported that by the LA Times that the Nets want to pursue pop as their head coach and the the rumor is that it'll, it'll be um unsuccessful but regardless you know there is some merit to popovich possibly leaving san antonio like the place he's built to go coach Kyrie and katie in the nets so for the spurs if they do absolutely nothing and they just kind of keep the process that they're at they're a mediocre team so in my opinion i feel like with lamar with demar going to be a free agent and Lamarcus Aldridge being old and you know deserves to you know have a playoff run, but you ultimately just blow it up. You have players like Dejounte Murray and Lonnie Walker, Derek White, Yaka Pertle. like those are you know young players you can 
you can look to 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 build the future but ultimately like they need to pull like maybe like a tim duncan-esque tank where you know they get they get the 11th pick this year whoever it is tank next season because the 20, 2021 draft is is a lot better when you have people like Cade Cunningham, um, Dyson Nix, uh, what you call it, Jonathan Kuminga as you know those star players. Ultimately. Right. I, I think what the Spurs do need to do is just to let go of the. To me, I think the, I think the Spurs died when um, not died but just more ended when Tim Duncan retired. I think those that was the last vestige of that fantastic franchise that we saw, you know, like all this time, like in the 20 year run that Duncan has had Mm. in the NBA and you could never talk about, I don't think anyone could ever talk about just how more, much more of a perfect career you could have. And I think that's what Duncan had Mm. in San Antonio. I think when he just, when he left, you saw the team, eventually crumble away from being one of the most consistent NBA franchise to this middling. We're going to get in this maybe fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth season because we have pop and we have guys who can compete and Mm. just, I, I don't, I've never been a huge fan of DeMar or DeMar DeRozan. Mainly because there's there's not much. I think he he now he has star potential, or he he has he been. Star. You know he has a star. He is a star. Uh, but I'm and I'm talking more so the the guys who kill it like uh, like the Lebrons or the Davises oh, of the yeah. world that you that have that it factor that sort mm. of they can take they can they elevate your team from from middling to oh snap you have to worry about this now because i'm on the team he demar i think has never had or ever had that even even in his latter years in toronto you saw that like he he, this is a guy who is very he shoots inefficient shots like this guy doesn't attempt threes in the playoffs Mm -hmm. you know from so for them to continue to laud on to this sort of old school guy who who can create shots, but only in a certain spot on like certain spots on the floor in yeah. a game that's dying or the type of game that's dying. Anyways, mm. there's, there's, there's no, there's no merit in keeping that. And mm. it's, it's the same with, it's the same with Aldridge. I think Aldridge can be a fantastic role playing power forward. Well, I think more so center now because I yeah. think it as a small ball five. Oh, over I agree. A, over, yeah. over a regular power forward. Mm. get him to to a contending team that can use him in meaningful ways you getting to the you know finishing at the rim being that offensive sort of piece that you can use like if you need a quick bucket you know drop it to him but yeah just holding on to those two it makes no sense it it doesn't it like you guys you guys they have a lot of great young talent like you've mentioned white murray walker they have young pieces that they can they can use to propel their team forward and the, the mm. next Kawhi Leonard like they you know they've been trading for Kawhi Leonard all the way back like we have no idea if like that guy could pop up in the draft again like yeah. we have no idea they, knowing the know. Spurs they you know they fit, know how to get talent from you know places that no one dares to look at you know so it's I try like there's a team that can rebuild and be successful at it it's going to be the Spurs we've seen it 
you know, years and years and years that they've able to they've been able to retool and find guys to help make the franchise look even, you know, keep steady. Um, one one idea though I do have for you know the Spurs if they again if they decide to blow it up and you know let them go in free agency, you know maybe do a sign and trade. Um, a lot of a lot of like discussion like I've yeah I've had is like maybe why don't you just you know sign and trade with the Orlando Magic. I mean I doubt like <laughs> Demar wants to go to the Orlando Magic, but um, he's been like. Demar's been known to wanting to get a max contract, right? And at this point, like again, like the long live, long live the uh, mid range, like the mid range ain't, ain't dead and won't ever die. But um, for for a team, for a player that's not as like, let's say, excite, like you know, he's not a star that'll propel you, you know, to to um to a championship at a at a max contract, right? Like a lot of competitive teams who are also already like over the cap, and a lot of teams won't consider you know Demar Derozan as like their focal point for a team that wants to make a playoff push, right? However, when you see a, te- a mediocre team like Orlando, who's always hanging around the eighth seed, um, won't do won't make as much noise. You know they can see Demar Derozan as a guy that like okay maybe this guy can push us actually forward. Like we have other pieces to make, you know to to make it work and being the fact that they, they need to put like seats in those chairs, like, you know, maybe put DeMar in Orlando, you know, San Antonio can get more young pieces like Mo Bamba who barely even plays in Orlando. Um, maybe, I don't know if they want to take a shot on Markel Fultz, but you know, if you, if you do, you know, trade DeMar, you can get younger assets to help accelerate the rebuild and when you have a development team that's led by Pop with Becky Hammond and stuff like and, you know, and coaches like that, like they're going to be good within the next three or four years. Right, and I I feel so bad for speaking of Orlando and off a weird tangent. Like I I feel for Mo Bamba. I, I remember mm. all the way back when people were touting him as this huge raw talent, and he is a very very that has all of these abilities that the reach the height and just seeing him i think flourish in another environment where he's not being held down by Vucevic, who is already a great player in his oh, own yeah. right mm-hmm. i think demar in say again another home like orlando or places where he can you know, create shots for himself and not be bogged down by all these you know, big expectations of you need to be a star, but more so of him. Like just, Hey, like I'll, I'll shoot the mid range shots. I'll make plays. I'll slash to the rim. I'll do my thing. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be a perfect compliment for Orlando. As you said, with all those fantastic elements, I think they could bring around him. Yeah. And or somewhere else where he can he can just he can just play wh- where he plays and how he plays like, mm. and yeah, it's it's been a while I, I, since his Toronto days where people were touting us, hey, like this guy is good and he can take this team to the next level. I think it's clear like now like Demar will won't be that player. Yeah. It, it's it, but. It's if he can find a team that complements him and the way that he plays. If again, you're asking again, if you're a team who wants to, who needs a slasher, 
get get you know i don't think looking at dumar twice would hurt you Mm. but in today's nba when you have a lot more players that are becoming more efficient because the numbers required and they say so it's it's just something that san antonio just needs to let go of there's there's no reason to be held by mediocrity because mediocrity will never ever get get you you anywhere yep in the nba now so Go San Antonio. They they need to they need to get better, but having those two guys won't, on won't your help team, them. they will they won't it won't do anything. To It'll them. just delay the inevitable. Essentially, like they're going to have to rebuild, and why not do it now? Yeah, exactly. Like just like for the process by not trying to. I still think that there's that same sort of tim duncan mentality that he brought over in his 20 years with the spurs of Mm. we're always in that winning situation but they haven't been in that same winning situation since the the, whatever the heck Kawhi Leonard situation was all the way a couple years ago Mm. so going yeah going if going forward means you have to take five steps back so be it yes it's one thing you have to sacrifice but the teams that do best know what type of situation they're in i think once and if the Spurs do become aware of the situation that they're in, they'll they realize that yeah, these the like having DeRozan and Aldridge on the team, it's not gonna get you forward. Like, yeah, let's let, let's let's push let's push forward by going by going backwards. I think is what the I Spurs agree. Are. I agree. And then again, for all me for all like you know like we talked about earlier, for all memes and purposes, like you know we did agree that like Demar is like a max contract guy, you know. But there's always going to be that one team, and if it's not Orlando, I'm I'm going to throw it out there. It's probably going to be the Knicks. It sounds like it's such a Knicks move to just throw a boatload of money at like Demar Derozan to to make him their quote unquote like star to pair with RJ Barrett. Well, <laughs> I feel you. Like when you you know that you because this is the same team that got four power forwards in free agency because they missed out on two superstars. Like, like I'm going to assume. I am good. Like it, it, it would make sense. Like the, cause yeah, like your expectations are so high and all in reality, like it's, it's, it's just one of those things. Like you, you think mm. you're going to be getting that five-star hotel, but that instead you you're going to be having just one-star motel. Exactly. That's what, yep. that's what the Knicks are. Hey, I agree. that, that is, that is a possibility. Put it on a check. DeMar DeRozan goes to the Knicks tweet out from Woj October this year. I know. Or, or maybe later because there, there's rumor that, you know, they, they might delay it because Silver last night did say that December 1st might be too early. So we'll see. But whenever this happens, um, whoever listens to this podcast, make it known that um, Miggy and DJT called DeMar DeRozan to the Knicks and that uh, Woj Shams give us credit for breaking this news. <laughs> we predicted. We predicted it. Gonna... Um, but, you know, moving on, moving along with the, uh, with you know other teams in the lottery, uh, we're going to talk about America's darling team, and it's the Phoenix Suns, um, who went eight and zero, but you know ultimately got screwed over by the Grizzlies beating the beating the Bucks. I personally enjoyed their run, <laughs> seeing Devin Booker go off like thirty points a game, and you know just this close to finally seeing the playoffs. But ultimately, though, seeing them go eight and zero, I think this benefits them a lot for their future because now that you know seeing them go eight and zero and seeing the potential they have as a young roster puts them on the map per se in the sense that 
Devin Booker is probably not going to request a trade because they actually looked really good during the bubble. But now it's the question is, with everyone healthy, what what's their peak in you know in a crowded Western Conference that's absolutely like a bloodbath? You know, do they have to add any more pieces to what are they what, to whatever they have right now, or do they have to you know will they just run it back and and see where it goes when no one gets suspended or no one gets hurt because um, they looked really good when they had DeAndre Aiden and you know we all you know know that DeAndre Aiden got suspended and it kind of screwed over the season. So if you run everyone back, like, you know, what, what is their peak and do they need to make any more moves this, uh, well, this winter to maybe be a team that doesn't have to, you know, be on the outside looking in and can be um, a regular playoff contender. This is a fantastic question because the Suns have shown, I think, especially to the season with hiring Monty Williams, who is a fantastic coach, has built a resume for himself as one of one of those one of those I love the Suns and the fact that they are they scrapped like they fought hard like I remember like a couple of I think it was a couple of weeks ago where Bleacher Report had a bunch of NBA predictions for the bubble they predicted the Suns not predicted the Suns going 0 and 8 but they predicted that someone would go 0 and 8 and they had Devin Booker there as the thumbnail. The fact that they went eight and zero and just pushed through, mm. and even with the unfortunate circumstances of the Grizzlies beating the Bucks, mm. and man, I they have they have garnered a lot of my respect oh, as I a with you. as a as a guy who loves basketball. Seeing them play unselfish basketball with Devin Booker leading at the helm, like having guys like Saric, Michael mm. Bridges. Rubio has been absolutely phenomenal for them. I agree, man. Like Ricky Rubio, having that, like finally, like Booker has a true point guard next to him, helping him make plays. And Rubio, I think, is a perfect complement into what Devin is doing. And it's just, it's just, again, it's just awesome to see a team make a run like this. Now, I think the one move that they could possibly make in free agency is try to sneak Danilo Gallinari away from the Thunder. If the Thunder are Ooh, still looking. Okay. To, if the Thunder are still looking to maybe or maybe not keep him. I think that having that additional complimentary score along with Booker and knowing what mm. Gallinari brings to the four position as a as a threat from outside and creating his own shots because he I think he sneakily had one of the more under like as far as the last three years go one of the more underrated players in the NBA because he is a fantastic basketball player who's just been hindered by a lot of injuries mm. when healthy I think Danilo is a is one of the best uh, guys who can score at the four at the four slot, and him being inserted in as an additional offensive weapon to a Suns offense that can score mm-hmm. and that fights. I, I think I think Gallinari, having him sign there, figure out the moves, all that, yeah. having him go to the Suns, 
I think would be a perfect complement to their roster and could put them. I think it would too. A little higher, yeah. I think it would too. But now the question is: Do, do the Suns have the actual cap space to to do this move? Because again, it was known that the Miami Heat were trying to get Danilo Gallinari, but they couldn't agree on a contract extension. So if if the Suns were to get try to pursue Gallinari to maybe push them forward, because you can probably contribute more than Dario Sarge could or Cam Johnson, right? Like those are those are young developing pieces, right? Well, we know mm-hmm. that Gallinari is like proven, so. For the Suns, and, and if you do try to attempt this, you know, a signing trade for the for for Gallinari, who would who will obviously make your team a lot better. Do you risk giving up on projects like you know Saric or um, Cam Johnson, or maybe like even Kelly Oubre? Like, do you give up on young players like that in order to maybe make a move that could maybe you know again, it's all maybe because of how crowded the Western Conference is when you already have like seven or eight teams that are probably locks already for the playoffs, you know? Yeah. This is one, this is one thing that I'm, I'm interested to see because the Suns again, knowing that, well, Hey, they have garnered the league's attention. Like let's make that, let's, let's set that set right here. Like right now, like eight and no in the bubble against a lot, a lot of fantastic teams and fighting hard to get that eight slot. Like it didn't go over anybody said like people noticed mm. like the Suns put the league on notice. And I think it gave Devin agree, Booker. Yeah. yeah. Like Devin, they think a lot of people, including myself, you know, I've had my doubts about Devin Booker and how, how high is his ceiling? Like what, to mm. what level it, it can he like what level of a basketball player can he be? And in the bubble, He's shown that not only can he be a great scorer, but he's also a fantastic playmaker. He's been dishing passes left and right mm-hmm. and moving off the ball. And that's and that's what the Suns need. They need that offensive playmaker who can just take over. And we've already seen Booker score. He's, we've seen it, we saw him score 70. You know, but yeah, if you're going to do something with, I think, Gallinari, you probably have to give up. Kelly Oubre, who is making 14 mil a year next season. Now, would they do mm. it? I have no idea. Like, yeah. but they have they have Michael Bridges, Cam Johnson, you know, who are there and who can who can mm. help. And having him, having Gallinari at the three, four, whatever position they need to entail, and knowing that he can put a lot of regular power forwards, you know, because he's he's not your regular power forward. He's mm. more of a, you know, he's a three playing at the four slot because he's so big and he's so versatile that position. Having him or someone else say, you know, someone at that four slot who I think can be more deadly than Saric or Kaminsky can. Mm. It's, there's, there's a lot of, there's it's a lot enticing. of intrinsic possibility. It's, it is. I think what the Suns do need they they do need I think another guy who can take them to the next level. Not saying that this team can't, but as you as we both know, mm. as you said earlier, that the West is there's the, you could you could make the case for fourteen of the fifteen uh, Western Conference teams to make yeah. a push right at at, at making agree. the playoffs. Uh, but knowing that the Suns already have seemingly something there in slot, and it seems that all the players have or most of the players have bought into Monty Williams's coaching style and schemes. There's a, there's a lot of uptick and potential with what they had to the table. And again, mm-hmm. bringing in a power forward who is, who 
it could be a better, it might be a better score than Kaminsky, Saric, mm. or you, whoever else is playing at that at that spot. It, there's a there's a lot of up there's a lot of upside to the Suns yeah. and their their future is bright. Like having Booker as your center, as your centerpiece, as your cornerstone, and continuing to build around the seemingly solid foundation you have. They're they've gone from man, they're like their owner Robert Sarver. <laughs> laughing stock. They like but also like I remember this this ESPN report from Kevin Arnavis, he reported on the Suns and Sarver, the owner, you know, supposedly let or had goats poop in oh, yeah. his office. Yeah, I remember that <laughs> like, one. Yes. <laughs> right? Like we're going from from that <laughs> that laughing piece of whatever they were to hey the, the Suns are the Suns are decent now. So going hmm. from you know bottom feeder to possible playoff contender. It's looking, it's looking bright for Phoenix. I, I respect that. Even though, you know, as a fan of the Lakers and, you know, being here in, in the West Coast and knowing, you know, all the, all the division rivals we have, it, the fact that there's more competitiveness in the NBA and knowing that the, the, the Suns aren't or don't look like pushovers anywhere, it, it does mm. bring a small smile to my heart. It, it does. Like, I, I, won't, I won't lie. I agree. Um, a part of me, though, a part of me, though, like, I, I agree that, like, you know, maybe, you know, Danilo Gonari can, like, make them better. However, like, long-term thinking, like, I kind of want to see them run it back with this same roster that they have. And, you know, we can – we'll have a whole season of, like, Booker and Aiden and seeing everyone, like, you know, healthy, you know, you know, hopefully, knock on wood. But at the same time, again, next season is going to be crowded. And, again, I – as much as Danilo Gallinari will make the Suns better, is it enough to make the Suns like an eighth seed like contender? Probably not. I doubt it. Right. So my thinking is that you know why don't why don't the Suns like keep everyone, run it all back, and then you know see how the next season goes, and then when let's say you they they miss out the playoffs, you know yet again like it's they they finish maybe ninth, tenth. 11th like around that range like they're very close but they they you know they miss again well there's a loaded 2021 draft they can get anyone in the lottery that will maybe you know be franchise altering and literally maybe the following year make them good enough to finally take the leap over to make the playoffs i think there's also that added value knowing that if you do push and continue to push and push until you get to that point, there's that, there's that flavor of we built something from the ground up. We didn't use any exterior pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we, we made this building and we're letting you know that we didn't add any parts of it. These are parts that we manufactured and, mm. and created. And this is a culture that we can sustain. Yeah. There's that. There there's is that. Yeah. There's that inside feeling where if you're the Suns, if you're Devin, or if you're whoever else is on that team, you're selling yourself, hey, like, we didn't go out and sign a player to help us, like, win right now. No, like, we I, – I, I helped out and everybody helped out to this project, and we made it succeed. Like, we made mm-hmm. it – like, we may not have not made it far. We may have not even to the top, but we know that we're on that right direction. I think, I think just overall my – my lasting feelings on this is like, you know, because we, we know, we both know that the Suns have just stuck in quandary. Now they have sort of something there. 
is um is a six seed is a sixth or eighth or wherever else they may be is it good enough for them or do they or do they want to they want to go higher like do they want to put get, get that extra push and I think that's a question I think for management for the Suns guys to figure for James Jones to Dems to figure mm-hmm. out how that's all going to work out and what they want to do on that point but if they can make a push for a lower seed like say seven or eight and try to handily sneak in with the guys that they have or beat expectations yet again. Like, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think that's a, that's already a fantastic win for them. And it show, not only shows that they're heading in the right direction, but that they have a solid foundation that, that people know that people notice and that others may want to go to because the culture there is, mm. is bright. I agree. Um, so you know, speaking of the, the playoffs, you know, we've been talking about a lot, a lot of teams that have missed, you know, these playoffs, but, you know, there is playoff basketball that's well underway this week. For a lot of, for a lot of series, there's already, you know, 2-0 deficits. And um, for teams like the, the Sixers, the Pacers, um, who are down 2-0, do you hit the panic button, like, with your playoff uh, lives now in question? And I'm going to now toss in, you know, the Denver Nuggets because – the Denver Nuggets, after winning in overtime game one, they were absolutely throttled by the Utah Jazz in games two and three. Um, and I apologize to all Utah Jazz fans. I did, you know, say that, the you know, the Nuggets were going to, you know, probably handle you guys easy in like five or six. I doubt that anymore. <laughs> I doubt that. I doubt that. So, um, you know, but for, for these, specifically these three teams, um, do you do you hit the panic button on on the fact that like hey like if we lose this like you know maybe there's going to be a lot of changes that have to happen or um, do you excuse and be like oh well you know uh, for the Sixers like you know Simmons is injured like it'd be a totally different series if he was playing um, for the Pacers if Sabonis was healthy you know and if, if Oladipo was who he was like we'd we'd be a lot better or for the Nuggets is I I don't know I, I can't excuse the Nuggets they they've been throttled so like for those for those teams like do you start panicking during the off season and say like yeah we got to blow it up and like figure out which pieces to fit in for a contender or you know do you just accept like hey um, this is the better team we just have to lock in and maybe get you know play better than we are now you know who I should be if you know who I if I was someone. And if I was going to hit behind, I, I am, if I am him, I am pressing the panic button. If I am Brett Brown right now, like <laughs> I am oh, yeah, I scared agree. for his, like, I'm scared like three Oh, like this guy might not even have his job next week. Like that's how scared of Brett, like it's, that's how much life I'm feared for him because Brett, as we both know, he's been a part of the Sixers quote unquote process that has run on since Sam Hinkie was hired as general manager, you know, last decade and going through that and going through all the turmoils, Brett Brown was one of those. He's the last, him and Joel are essentially the last shareholder shareholders of that process that was created and enveloped all the way back last decade. And I know that Simmons is out, and if Simmons is probably in this matchup, it probably would look different because I, I, it's he's he's Ben Simmons, fantastic 
playmaker needs to shoot more, but that's another story for another time. But knowing if you're Brett Brown and all mm-hmm. of the adjustments that you've been, you've been given all of the players that you either traded for because of all of the picks that Sam Hinkie gave you and Joel Embiid, who was, who was also selected by Sam and has become one of the NBA's best big men in the top three. Knowing that you have all had all those pieces in last year too, with with Butler joining, and you know for that one inconsequential playoff run that ended with four bounces on on the rim. Do you as as Sixers management do you ask yourself is Brett the right coach for this team? Is he the guy who should be running all of our plays? Who should be doing all of our rotations? is he the guy who's going to unlock Ben Simmons's potential? And it, it so far, all the answers have just pointed to near nose, like all across the board. No, fire. And like, it's, I think it's just time if you're Philly, just to look for, I know that, like that there are a lot of other coaches who might, might not, you know, be qualified for the Philly, like the Philadelphia 76ers job, you know, you're asked to, Coach Joel Embiid, you know, who ha- who is a superstar, who has this big personality, but means a lot to this franchise and to what it has stood for. I think in the last decade, just going from the ground down to, well, they were you know top the one of those top teams in the East when they're healthy and when they're rolling, but. I, I found the Sixers, I am, if you're Brett Brown, try to make as many adjustments as you can just for game three, try to hold mm. down the Celtics as much as possible, be scrappy, get Thibel and, and Horford, just throw your guys in there and, and try to, you know, fire way out as, poss- as much as possible. Because Joel Embiid, like, again, he's not, he's not some bum who is just this like he's no he's a legitimate superstar who helps this team win ball games Mm. he's that good yeah but yeah i I, i'm i'm panicking if you're the sixers right now especially if you're brad brown i I agree i'm running for my life like this is this is (laughs) this is you know it's it might be time you know like if i'm brad brown like you know i get it like you say like hit the panic button like i i would definitely hit the panic button too if i'm a sixers fan or if i'm on the sixers in general but you know, if I'm Brett Brown, I would, I might as well just start packing up my things. Like, um, you know, unless if he survives, like getting fired, he definitely has some dirt on the front office or the owners. Like, he has some beat. Like, he has some, you know, like spicy, spicy tea. Like, to to <laughs> like he he, he he can have some like blackmailing stuff to do. But like, if if I'm the Sixers, like even like. Again, you can excuse Ben Simmons for for being for being injured, right? Yep. But again, it's like you have Tobias Harris, you have Josh Richardson, you have like I mean, you can blame Elton Brad for uh, Elton Brand for signing Al Horford, but you have talented players, and you know you couldn't make it work. Like we've and we've also even seen it in game, like. Um, Brett Brown is terrible at in-game adjustments. He is terrible at like rotations. He is terrible at like um, literally anything in-game. He's a great development guy, but he's a terrible in-game coach. And we've seen it when they they're getting blasted by the Celtics right now, and, and games that really matter. So 
Um, if I'm the Sixers, like looking forward, you know, if they if the trajectory of this of this um, um, series looks to you know continue to be a four zero sweep, I I would one hundred percent consider um, firing um, Brett Brown and then figuring out a way to get rid of Horford because that guy has been a net negative for this whole team this whole year. It's a crazy thing, part two. Like, I like I like Al. I think that Al on the right team, like, you saw him on the Celtics mm. for, for a couple years, right? Like, as a stalwart on defense and the guy who can hold down on offense, making plays and doing all the right things for a team, even though might not show up on the box score. Like, he's not the flashiest guy. He doesn't score 20 plus points a game but he will make all the right plays like he just has a great basketball IQ but the fact that it took Brown a long time to realize that it's not always correct to put him and Embiid on the at the same times on the court mm-hmm. and knowing that he isn't always going to be best matched up at that four slot when I think he's again better at the five I like again. I like I like Al Horford. I think he's a great basketball player, even though he's getting up there in age. The when he's in that right mentality and mindset, mm. and putting it at the right positions to succeed, he is he can be a fantastic guy on a team to hold hold the fort down. But yeah, it's there's a lot of adjustments that Brett Brown could have made this year to make sure that they were they were not the sixth seed and, I, and with yeah. all the talent that this team has like again Joel Embiid is is a mind-blowing basketball player and all all these other guys too mm. they should be better than a six they should be better than advertised like what they are right now like is this should not be the product of the Sixers team if anything mm. it just shows you that I think Brown again he's had time to make mm all of these adjustments and to push this team forward because of, of all of the amazing players that they have, like they, again, like they have these guys, they're just not utilizing them correctly and getting the right coach to find the, to find guys who can put him beat and make sure that he's in always in the best spot and make sure that they're getting the most out of Simmons and, getting him to try to shoot more <laughs> oh my if gosh. they can yeah if they can if they can find someone who do that who does that great and you know i think that would be i'd be the i think it would be an awesome thing for their basketball team but they don't they don't have it they just don't they just don't have it nope. they, Brett brown doesn't have it in him and it it stinks it stinks that he's they gonna, have he's gonna yeah. lose his job for it it's it, it, it's it's I think it's a sad reality for Brett Brown because I have listened or listened to a bunch of podcasts that he's hosted on. He seems like he seems like a he's cool a good dude. guy, yeah. And he's been there. He's a loyal guy who's been there ever since you know the Sixers were tanking and needed to, you know you know develop their picks and everything. Like he's helped build this team to where it is now. But for a playoff team that's you know has championship aspirations, that you know players like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris have like they're they're not gonna they're not gonna go anywhere with Brett with how Brett Brown literally you know throws away games with how he coaches right it, it's again yeah it, you have to at some point just notice that stuff might not be working mm-hmm. 
and yeah, it's a tough sell because of the big personality that Joel Embiid has and how great of a player Ben Simmons is mm-hmm. to find that right guy and to see uh, who, who out there is available yeah. to, to make sure that you hold those personalities in check. So I agree. Yeah, it's is it'll be tough for Sixers. It'll be tough for the Sixers, but if they can find that guy who can make the right basketball plays, that I think they they would be an easy top four, top five team. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be a, it should not be an issue for them. But I agree. Yeah, like they should not be. They should just not be in the position that they're in. And again, I understand that Simmons is out and it stinks. Basketball injuries happen, but. You still have a lot of other guys on the squad who can help out. But man, being down 0-2 when they they should be at least trying to fight, it's, yeah. it's it just doesn't settle with me, and we that's why I think that we can see that body language too in in Embiid. Yeah. yeah, Joel just seems checked out. I, I do I feel I do feel for the guy. Like Joel has been one of my favorite stories, you know, in the yeah. in recent NBA. Like you know, this guy who has been injured for. Half of half of his half of his career, or mm-hmm. a good chunk of it, and now you realize that hey, like this guy, like, you know, as a rookie, even though he didn't play much, like this guy can be something, and now he yeah. is that he is know, that just, guy, right? Like I, I feel for him. I I want to see Joel prosper because a happy Embiid. Like we we I I want to see that Joel Embiid who's cracking jokes on on Twitter and doing no, I doing agree. All, yeah, yeah, like. I, but yeah, like this checked out Embiid who just doesn't want to seem to play. Like you saw, we've, we've all seen these photos where Joel's on the sideline at the end of the Celtics Celtic Sixers game. And he's just putting his palms down. And, yeah. And like, and he's just, he's, he has his freaking hands on his face. He's, he's mm-hmm. disappointed. And I would be too if I'm the Sixers. I would be you know? too. So that's why. If I had to choose one of those, yeah, it's why. Demand a trade, uh, NBA. Go to the Warriors. Embiid night. We're gonna get. An, <laughs> we're gonna get an, all of those clickbait titles and YouTube saying this trade to the Warriors we're, will break the NBA. I know. <laughs> I can't wait. I uh, or you know what? Screw it. You know, Embiid coming to Brooklyn. You know, Kyrie and Katie be the missing piece. You know what? Be happy here when you can. You know, you can win here. <laughs> um. So, flipping conferences though. Um. I. If I'm like, I want to say I'm gonna hit the panic button on the Nuggets because the Nuggets again they they barely survived game one with with the Utah Jazz. Um, they had to go to overtime and off the heroics of of Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, you know, one by ten. However, like like we did mention, game two and three, um, they absolutely just got throttled and just beat down by Utah. Um, and so, but you know, if you look at these box scores, a lot of the time, other than you know, Jokic and you know, struggling because you know he's the key, you know, focus on defense. Like Jamal Murray has fell off the face of the earth. Um, literally, everyone on the Denver Nuggets has literally fell off the face of the earth. So again, if I'm the Nuggets, you know, you can they can still easily turn it around. They're a talented team. But I would hit the I would hit the panic button on the Nuggets because again uh, I I talked about this in past episodes. But if literally 
you know, Jamal Murray and, and Nikola Jokic taking you to the second round as your peak, and now you're struggling right now to beat, you know, a team that you're supposed to, then, you know, maybe that you should start talking about maybe possibly blowing this up. Right. It's, it's, yeah, it's, and the Nuggets are just in this weird spot, right? Because they have other, for the fact that they're a three seed, a, like they're at the position they are because of all of the pieces that Jokic has. And, you know, they've been surrounded with and their team that has, you know, they, like Jamal Murray, I think has been great. Mm-hmm. Gary Harris took a small step back this year. And, you know, I remember like a lot of these folks, you know, when the Pelicans, weren't without Zion and then, oh, are we going to trade Drew Holiday for Gary Harris, even though he might be or might not be better. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of questions surrounding this Nuggets team and how sustainable they can be. If Jokic doesn't show up because he's not your, he's not your prototypical scoring or overall class big man, as we both know, because I have never seen mm. a big man passes efficiently as him. Like he has a vision mm of a center that I don't think anyone has ever seen in, in NBA history, but he's not going to score 30 a night. That's just not the player who he is. And that's fine. But as a team, you're supposed to find pieces that fit around him and find guys who can take you to the rim and Jamal Murray as great as a player he is. And I think he has been a fantastic offensive player for the nuggets and as yeah. Great as you know, Michael Porter Jr. has been this season. They can't all take the load, you know, twenty four seven. I think that's what's like. There's a there's a big I think difference between say Jamal Murray in terms of scoring the basketball and being that it guy, and Donovan Mitchell being <laughs> that it guy, right? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Like those two, they they're they're so. They're so separate. They they feel they feel they feel different because you know when Donovan Mitchell has the hot hand and you know, he's a young guy, but man, he he has shown everybody how what he's capable of in terms of putting the ball on the floor and into the mm. rim. Like a guy can slash, this guy can spot up, this guy can create his own shots. But you know, like he has that star factor that that. You know the the Nuggets, I think, are lacking. Uh, aside from Jokic, and again, Jokic is not your scoring. He's not going to score thirty a night. Like he, I don't think he has that in him yet. Yeah. And and Mike Conley being back too today, it's it's so weird because you know Conley was out for the bubble because of uh, I think it was childbirth, yeah. right? Yep, right? childbirth. And you know, like him having a good day as well today, like it's crazy. Um, I agree. It's that baby. It's, yeah baby care it's, it is yeah like yeah i yeah for i think the jazz wanted the series too you, you could tell like you know making sure they win and lose games just to face off against the nuggets because like 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 let's just say that the jazz you know they fight their way to five and they have to face houston again mm. or something like that like i don't think it's a pre i think it's become a perennial or like annual thing for me where i see the <laughs> where i see the like the the rockets beat the jazz in five like that's just oh, the thing gosh. now yeah but this they're there's free this time they're free yeah, yeah, yeah. like they're not facing the rockets they're facing off against the nuggets team that took the blazers to seven last year they the nuggets again they they have the they have guys but they just don't have any of those it factors and added the Jokic isn't good on defense 
Mm. We'll we'll see. Again, I don't know what adjustments they make to the roster, but I think it's up to Mike Malone and their coach and staff and to see how they can continue to make sure that Nikola Jokic grows as a basketball player, have him score more efficiently, take guys off the dribble because he can because he can pass. Like we've already seen him make plays in that in that part of the offense, but make let's like let's get him. He's got to score and averages up maybe and continue to see the growth of Jamal Murray. Michael Porter mm. Jr. seems like he's going to be a good staple on that team as well. We'll see what they do with Millsap. But you know, you're down 2-1. you got to make adjustments. Where? I have no idea because they're, they're not hanging in. They're getting blown out. Yeah. But I, I, I have a little faith in the Nuggets, knowing what type of team they are and how good their offense can be if – it, you know, when they are rolling, but and mm. Utah is just running off. Like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are just letting people know that they, they can play. They can play. They can. Um, last, last couple of things that uh, I want to touch upon before, uh, before we end the show today. Other games around the league, uh, the Lakers and Bucks are starting to look like what, you know, we want, wanted them to look like. They're, they look like contenders. I still believe the like, the Lakers Blazers series is probably going to go to six regardless. Um, the Blazers did shoot poorly in game two, and it, that's obviously going to be a big factor if we want to, you know, beat the Lakers who are very good defensively. The Bucks, you know, blew out the <laughs> blew out the Magic. Like we need them, you know, we expect them to. So things are starting to normalize. Um, one thing, uh, the Mavs, I will, you know, I think will make this series a lot more competitive than it is. Um, now, like it, it is, they are tied one-one, but um, a lot of us assume that the you know Clippers would handle this in five. But ultimately, the, the way Kristaps Porzingis and um, Luka Doncic have have been as a duo during the series, and the fact that uh, I believe Luka Doncic is Luka Doncic is like the youngest player to score seventy points in his first two games uh, in a playoff in a playoff series is um, is something to take note of because. You know, again, the Clippers are a very great defensive team, and to see Luka Doncic have his way against a great defensive team like again, like the Clippers, is very um, noteworthy because they could, if any, you know, if things go their way, maybe pull off the upset against the Clippers. I doubt it still because Kawhi Leonard is Kawhi Leonard, and he'll figure out a way, even if playoff, you know, Paul George is, you know, is in full form, but. For the Clippers, they're they're still the better team. I still think they'll they'll um, win the series in probably six. And lastly, too, the Toronto Raptors for the first time in their history apparently are finally up three zero in a series. Yeah, it's crazy. I I know. Like I I looked at it too. I was like, what? Like this can't be. So, but hey, it is. Yeah. Shout out to you know, shout out to them. Even though it is at the expense of my um of my Brooklyn Nets, but you know. To for you know in defense of you know you know the Raptors again like you know they may not have a star player but they're making it work because they're a great defensive team together and they know how to play a team defense and I still believe that you know they need to get an, an actual number one option because Pascal Siakam isn't one maybe it's Fred VanVleet who knows because he's been absolutely cooking on the other side on the flip side with uh, Brooklyn prayers up for uh, Joe Harris who had to do- leave the bubble. For, for personal family reasons. So whatever that is, like, you know, hopefully things work out. But for Brooklyn, 
we're looking forward for the for the off season so we, we can just get on with the whole who's our next coach and do we trade Kyrus Levert for a third star and who do we keep? But yeah, if after watching today's game though, the Nets sorely miss Joe Harris and it's they need to uh, the, the the Nets need to pay Joe Harris and keep him on the Nets because the the shooting is not good without him. I think what yeah, what Joe Harris brings to the Nets, I think it, it's just part of the culture that they've they've had in the past three, four, five years of find the journeyman and make sure that we envelop him. We know that you know he's valuable, mm-hmm. and you know guys who scrap and fight hard. That's Joe Harris and embodies a lot of it, and he was mm-hmm. you know part of it. I, I remember there was this. He had an interview with Bleacher Reports. Howard Beck on the full 48 and he just talked wow. about how much of a home that you know that the Nets have made for him knowing that again a lot of the, the Nets have picked up because they don't have those top draft picks because they're they're with Boston you know what well, Boston's drafted Tatum yeah. and Brown you know they've been they've been getting a lot of guys who are castaways guys who their teams may like not have wanted and Joe Harris mm. you know again was one of them and to see him really thrive as this fantastic and efficient three-point shooter over the years and, and seeing him in the three-point contest too. It's, it's, I love him. Yeah. I, think I love him that, too. And, and yeah, I think to keep uh, well, a, because floor spacing is a necessity in today's game. You, mm. you have to have at least one, like one or two of those three-point specialists that, you know, you can like rely on if you need a bucket from outside. And Joe Harris is one of them like making sure that like he's he's up there with you know next to Debran or in Kyrie mm. and putting making sure that the defense is stretched and I I want to see the Nets pay him I think he I think he deserves it oh and I agree too yeah to see how much money he gets I think well we'll have to see about that but he is he yeah he needs to stay I I don't think there's any way that they can't they they have to they, say yes. they have to yeah. yeah they have to keep him and then I mean he did say he does want to stay in Brooklyn and um, maybe he gives the hometown discount because he has been on record saying he gets you know paid too much to play basketball. But um, and he also has said he loves it here. Um, on that note too, um, in an interview uh, with the Yes Network that broadcasts the Nets games, um, Sean Marks has said you know keeping Joe Harris has is priority one of the off season. So with the fact that Joe how with how Joe Harris is very valuable to Brooklyn and how he's developed with Brooklyn and how um, there's no improvement if they do let him go. Like, I, I agree, like, you know, with Marks that keeping Joe Harris is the absolute priority before, you know, looking at maybe getting a third star in Bradley Beal or Drew Holiday and whatnot. Like, you have to secure Joe Harris first because he's the ideal role player that Kyrie and KD need and that – um the fact that he can't not only can space the floor, but he's a great slasher and a playmaker as well. And, and chemistry wise too, I believe that like him alongside, his, you know, good friend, um, Spencer Dinwiddie, like in a, in a off season that there's going to be a lot of roster change because you have Kyrie and Katie that, you know, want to win a championship in Brooklyn, that those two players are going to be the absolute glue guys going into next season. I mean, I agree. Like, I think, too, in this era of sort of these teams that have seeming duos instead of trios that we saw in the last decade, mm-hmm. 
I think building around Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving is much more necessary than trying to find a third guy to pair up with them. Mm-hmm. I think with the core that the Nets already have or seem like they already have, and what I've seen from them in the bubble, again, taking the Blazers to that last shot, like that was mm-hmm. so indicative of what the Nets can do to you. If, yeah. you know, like they have, they have pieces who, who fight for the basketball and know that, hey, like we're playing, you know, we're playing with each other. Like it might not last long because we don't have our superstars, but knowing that like them knowing that, you know, they got each other's back and just playing hard, just trying to get as many, as many shots as they can. And seeing like seeing Jared Allen, seeing the Tyler Johnsons of the world, like seeing Timothy mm-hmm. Lawal Cabrero, like all, all try to fight mm-hmm. just like even though it doesn't count for anything like like because you already know that you you got the seventh seed locked up and but knowing that they still are doing their best to stay in ball games as much as possible trying to make yeah. as games as much as possible like there's there's yeah there's 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 very very little of basketball that that's mm-hmm. better than seeing a bunch of ragtags or seeing a bunch of you know like people who who aren't household names fighting with or you know, playing with each other and mm. going through the toils of struggles, like seeing that next incarnation, that Nets incarnation, it's, it's refreshing. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah, it's just so, it's just so good to watch. Like I, I, I will always have, you know, if I had to choose any, you know, bubble, mem- like bubble memories, like just watching the Nets, you know, because, you know, you have time and binge games, you're seeing what they're going on. Yeah, mm. it's a huge, it's a huge, awesome. We just have to give credit to Jack Vaughn and everybody on that team who's, who's done their done their part in the bubble because they did not go down without a fight. I think yeah. that that's the one thing you can swing on, like it's there's there's one thing to, you know, put it in and like say, ah, oh, we're done. Yeah. Like, uh, like, but no, the Nets didn't say like, you know, we don't have our two stars. Like, let's just quit. No, they, they, they said, Hey, we, we know that we might not get far, but we're going to try our hardest to make mm. sure that the next day we still have like, we, we still, we're still going to five. We're still going to try our hardest and knowing that culture is still there. It, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of upside for to what the Nets could possibly have next year. You know that, like if they have if they have a lot of these pieces back, hey, they they they, they there's something here mm-hmm. under underneath the Kyrie and KD umbrella. <laughs> yeah, and like you know, last point on them again. Like the off season is pretty much going to happen on Saturday when or no Sunday, sorry, when uh, they eventually do get swept by Toronto. And so it's going to be interesting, like what rumors come out that of how, you know, they're going to build this, you know, title contending roster. So hoping, hope, you know, the Homer in me hoping for, you know, for, for a title in Brooklyn, you know, the first ever in the NBA, if you don't count, you know, our ABA ones, but um, my opinion, like whatever Sean Marks does, I trust. You know, I, I can throw out all these trades for, you know, Bradley Beal or anything, but ultimately, like, I'm not the decision maker. Um, so I'll trust Sean Marks. Um, for you, though, like, I know we've been talking about the Nets, like, and, uh, you know, they are one of other games that have happened today. Do you have any other opinions on any of the other games that have happened the past couple of days before we wrap up the show? 
I think that because of, this has just been the hot topic because the Lakers are Lakers. Like, I, I'm a Lakers fan. I love I love Los Angeles. Mm. I think the Lakers mean a lot to me. I I the, the struggle and toils that I had to put up with Game One, just going on my Twitter feed, seeing all of this Laker after <laughs> we got beaten. It, it, to me, just sort of in the fact that I, I'm looking at all this and I'm saying, hey, we just we just lost a Game One where we did not shoot well at all. I think like, that's a that's our biggest problem. I think is that we are getting efficient shots. Like you're if you're watching the Blazers Lakers games, you can see that like these guys like KCP, Danny Green, Caruso, mm. like they're all getting efficient open shots. Yeah. Like they're get, they're getting good looks at the basket. They're just not hitting them. You, know, you have to hit your free throws. You have to hit your open threes and that's just one thing like I'm I'm wait, I'm still waiting for Danny Green to pop up uh, as as well, I think like the last time it was the first game of the season where he, I think he hit like seven threes, seven out of twelve. I'm waiting oh. for da- Danny to pop up. Um, yeah. I, I think that I, I held this. I still hold this opinion, and I know that a lot of Laker fans won't agree with me. But I think that Danny Green is probably the best three and D player that LeBron's ever played with in terms oh, of wow of like raw like what he brings to the table. Right, like you're talking about a guy who could stretch mm. the floor. We're also talking about a guy who can take like you. You watched last game. I think we did a fantastic job, oh, yeah. like handling Lillard and and McCollum and making sure that the Blazers' offense mm-hmm. was like because they can they can heat up in the second. Like once Dame and Dame starts going, like that train is hard to stop. Yeah, like there are very few and far NBA players in between that are <laughs> that are like Damian Lillard and the fact that they can just go off in a snap, but. I agree. What, but yeah, like the the defense that was played yesterday, and all of our bodies getting thrown in there, and and making sure that he's held down, and and everybody else on on that note, like I I love to see it. I love to see the Lakers defense that they're they're working and and they're making sure that you know they're suffocating the other like the you know the Portland Portland backcourt and everybody else. But yeah, it's um it's also this is also just a quick prayer it's for your recovery from for damian lillard hopefully that in that that finger he injury is play yeah he, he has said he said he's gonna play but hey like dislocated fingers are not fun mm-hmm. um, i i want to make sure that you know we're getting we're getting the best out of both teams but hey like i'll take i'll take games like game two all day you know the lakers they did everything like, they did nearly everything right i just think if they can hit more three or more three open three point shots and and get and get those buckets in it, it should be i i predicted the lakers sweep obviously that didn't happen with how poorly they played in game one but you know that that there's um hey the lakers the lakers are good i, I don't think i need to say anything else. i agree there's still my pick to win the title <sighs> i see yeah, it's the same with me like yeah it's it's hard to say no to lebron like even in yeah. year 17 like he's lebron I agree. I, I, yeah i can't say no can't say no well, I believe that's all the time we have today, DJT. Thank you again um, for, for joining me on today's show. Um, welcome to the team. Um, I'm glad to have you on here. Thank you, sir. Thank you for, thank you for having me co-host. It was fun talking basketball. Oh, yeah. Always is. Always, always is. is. Always is. So um, for all our listeners, again, you know, follow us on, on Spotify. Uh, you know, pass it on to your friends. You know, we're currently building the brand, getting us up there. We do again have uh, social medias, and we will be posting on this, you know, constantly to you know update you guys. So uh, do follow uh, Nephew Hours on Twitter and Instagram, and you know, 
continue to support us. We love it. And, you know, until next time, you know, enjoy the, enjoy the basketball games and uh, we'll see you, you know, next week, we're going to start recording on Wednesdays and Saturdays starting next week. So um, we'll see you then. Good night, everybody. Thank you.